You ever listen to the radio or scroll through Twitter and learn that it's like hug an Australian day or international moments of frustration scream day or cook something bold and pungent day? And you just wonder to yourself, like, um, how did these become holidays? Well, those days and a lot of other silly holidays are all the work of one man, Tom Roy. How many of these have you written? Do you know? Ninety. 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 They cost nothing to celebrate. You don't have to buy a gift for anybody. You don't have to invite anybody for dinner. <laughs> Our producer, Amy Padula, recently tracked Tom down to see what the deal is with all of these days. In the mid-1980s, Tom was looking for stuff to talk about on the radio show he hosted. And he had this book called Chase's Calendar of Events. It's been around since 1957. These two brothers had come up with it as a way to keep track of every single holiday in one big fat book. I was flipping through it one day and noticed in the back there was a thing that said, submit your own holiday. And I was like, oh no. (laughs) Wait, why? Because you were like, I have too many ideas. No, because I'm a left-handed, ADHD, Sagittarius, sober, alcoholic, camel smoker. I'm 77. They they started telling me when I was seven, Tommy, settle down. See, once Tom started getting ideas for holidays, he couldn't stop. He submitted one, Northern Hemisphere Hoodie Hoo Day, a day to battle your winter doldrums. And Chase's calendar printed it. So I, I submitted eight more holidays the next year, and they printed all of those. And I'm like, oh, my God. You kept winning. You kept winning at holidays. Okay, so some of the holidays Tom came up with are kind of odd. Take today, December 1st. He's got one in the book called Bifocals at the Monitor Liberation Day. Yep, So for anyone whose bifocals make reading their computer screen harder, uh, this stays for you, I guess. Have you written any recently? I'm not allowed. You're not allowed? My wife says that's it. (laughs) Oh, man. Do you miss it? No. So after 90 holiday hits, Tom's been forced into retirement. And that got us thinking over here at Not Past It. Because we're obsessed with dates. And maybe, just maybe, we could keep the holiday ideas flowing. From Gimlet Media, this is Not Past It, a show about the stories we can't quite leave behind. And this week, for December 1st, the Not Past It team is proposing four different history holidays and telling you why we think they're worth celebrating. So move over, Chase. There's a new calendar of events in town after the break. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. 
Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hola. Hello, this call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow, ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow, now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier. Thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. We're going to do something a little different today. We've lined up four reasons why we think December 1st is worth celebrating. And each one is rooted in a historical event. An event that actually happened on this very day. First up, I've got a proposition for a holiday. I'm calling it International Pate Day to commemorate the opening of the very first permanent movie theater. See, for me, cinema is life. Yes, I do know how that sounds, but I don't care if I'm giving freshmen in an intro to film seminar. I mean it. I don't just love movies. I live for them. In a pre-pandemic world, I was hitting up the movies like once a week. Yes, it was expensive. Did I use my expired college ID to get student discounts? That's not the point. The point is, I just couldn't get enough of these movies. The lights dimming, the surround sound, the big cushy chairs, and the broke down musty ones. And that screen, ready to transport me wherever I want to go. It's intoxicating, every time. I feel this strongly about the movies, and I've been going to the movies. So can you imagine living in 1906 and going to the very first permanent cinema in existence? It opened 115 years ago today in Paris. Cinema Omnia Pâté. The theater had been built in part by Charles Pâté. He'd founded one of the world's first film production companies with his three brothers. They actually started out by selling phonographs. You know, like old-timey stereo systems. But soon, they caught wind of a new technology. An early motion picture camera called the cinematograph. Coincidentally, invented by another set of French siblings, the Lumiere brothers. The Pâté-Lumiere partnership was a fruitful one. They made hundreds of short films that toured the world and arguably launched the movie business as we know it. And Pâté is still distributing films today. You may have come across their crowing rooster logo, perhaps during your own visit to the movies. So, how are we going to celebrate this December 1st holiday? Well, obviously, you have to go to the movies, but that's just the beginning. Because you got to also do it in period costume. Get yourself a bustle. Get yourself a top hat. This is an event, you know? Put a look together. And if you're thinking, like, hello, there's a reason why old movies were only, like, three minutes long— 
because how am I going to sit through, say, a three-hour-long James Bond movie if I'm wearing a corset? Don't worry, because on International Pate Day, I'd get all the movie theaters, from the big chains to the little art houses, to play all the pre-Hollywood greats. The two-minute clips of trains charging and factory workers leaving their jobs. That way, they get their special holiday business, you get to wear your corset, and I single-handedly save cinema. It's a win-win-win. International Pate Day. Think about it. All right, so that's our first idea. But what if you're into celebrating something edgier? Producer Amy Padula has a holiday for you. I hereby declare December 1st the curse heard round the world day. The path to stardom isn't always a straight line. Sometimes we walk the line on purpose. Sometimes we find ourselves on it by mistake. Sometimes it's our mistakes that lead us directly to fame's doorstep. On December 1st, 1976, that's exactly what happened to a punk rock band called the Sex Pistols. Now, at the time, nobody really knew who the Sex Pistols were. They'd only been signed to a major label for two months. But on that morning in December, they got a call from their label. Queen was supposed to appear on this family-friendly British TV show called Today. But supposedly, Freddie Mercury had a horrible toothache. So the label offered the Pistols instead. They are punk rockers. The new craze, they tell me. They're heroes, not the nice, clean Rolling Stones. The show was hosted by a prominent interviewer named Bill Grundy. Grundy was known for pushing his guests around in the hot seat. They're a group called the Sex Pistols, and I'm surrounded now by all of them. But even he was maybe unprepared for how hostile and, well, mumbly young Steve Jones and Johnny Rotten would be. Are you serious? Or are you just making me, trying no, to make me laugh? Go on. Really? Yeah. No, but I mean about what you're doing. Oh, yeah. You, you are serious? Mm. Beethoven, Mozart, Bach and Browns have all died. Bars, really? Oh, what what, what, what are we saying, sir? wonderful people. Are they? Oh, yes, they really turn us on. Grundy is in a suit and tie holding a microphone. The Sex Pistols are slumped down in their seats. Some wear jeans, others leather pants. Their hair is spiky and bleached, or long, an unnatural shade of red. One has his hands jammed into his pockets, eyes averted. Another is rocking back and forth in his chair. Well, suppose they turn other people on. That's just their tough shit. It's what? Nothing, a rude word. Next question. No, no. What was the rude Then word? Grundy dared one of the pistols, Steve Jones, to go even further. Go on, you've got another five you seconds. Dirt, Say something outrageous. Jones takes the bait, on, and he swears on national TV. <laughs> what a fucking rotter. Think of all the times you've said something off the cuff that didn't land well. In a job interview, to a friend, maybe you totally went overboard at that wedding speech you gave. If I think back on those moments myself, I come out on the other side with a lot of embarrassment. Not even a lousy T-shirt. But that wasn't the case for the Pistols in 1976. Well, that's it for tonight. Good night. Who are these punks? That's what the Daily Mail wanted to know. And suddenly, 
punk was unleashed to Britain and to the world. Like I said, the pathway to fame isn't a straight line. Sometimes it takes a little TV magic, someone speaking out of turn, and Freddie Mercury's bad teeth. So let's raise a glass to celebrate the curse heard round the world day. Okay, y'all, don't get holidayzed. Two more reasons to celebrate December 1st after the break. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hola. Hello, this call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow, ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow, now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier, thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. Okay, I'm going to throw another December 1st holiday into the mix. We'll call it Life is a Highway Day. This one is to commemorate December 1st, 1913, or the opening of the first drive-up gas station. Yeah, yeah, I can hear your horror through the podcast void. Is this not the dawn of gas guzzling, jammed roadways, infrastructure chaos, and just, like, environmental apocalypse? Okay, yes, sure. But hear me out. Before we had gas stations as we know them, you'd have to swing by your local pharmacy or general store or your blacksmith even to buy your gas by the can. Then you'd just pour it into your tank using a giant funnel, like a frickin' cartoon. So when the first drive-up gas station opened, its convenience was unmatched. The first one opened in Pittsburgh. It's actually still there, on the northeastern side of the city. It had that pavilion look that's so common in gas stations still, and the services they offered were fairly basic. In addition to selling fuel, they offered free air, free water, and free roadmaps. And here's where we get to the thing that I think is worth celebrating. I've got two words for you. Car culture. Listen, I'm from California. Cars are basically the state bird. Car culture is my culture. I'm talking road trips. I'm talking gas station snacks. I'm talking fighting over the radio. I'm talking going to the car wash and sitting inside your car and watching it get blasted by a bubble machine and just feeling a childlike sense of wonder. I'm pretty sure none of that happens without that first drive-up gas station. So here's what I'm proposing. A December 1st holiday that's all about celebrating the small joys that car culture brings us. And you know, we'll do fun car shit go to a drive-thru, get a gas station Slurpee, or just drive around with your friends and talk about everything and nothing. And then we'll make December 2nd no car day to try and offset the emissions. It's like two holidays for the price of one, just like those good gas station snacks. And that's my take on Life is a Highway 
Rascal Flatts version, day. Our next and final December 1st holiday commemorates the death of an author who taught us so much about life. It comes from producer Ramoy Phillip. Take it away, Ramoy. All right, so you don't know me, but my name's Ramoy George Phillip I. What's up? I got an idea for December 1. I call it National Baldwin to Berry Day. The name's a work in progress. Okay, so I'm a brown Southern Christian boy who moved to New York as a preacher. Yeah. And you know who else was a New York City preacher? The prolific writer James Baldwin, who died on December 1st, 1987. And after I lost my faith, I found James. It started with his short story, Sonny's Blues. Sonny's Blues is about these two black brothers— the good one who quietly does what the world expects of him, and the other, Sonny, the troublemaker. He's a talented jazz musician, but he can't get it together now the rest of the world wants him to be. The story captures what I call the duality gymnastics, that experience minorities have to go through within the confines of whiteness. Here's Baldwin in an interview talking about that. What the world does to you is the world does it to you long enough and effectively enough. You begin to do it to yourself. Mm-hmm. They think it's important to be white, and you think it's important to be white. Mm-hmm. They think it's shameful to be black, and you think it's shameful to be black. And you have no corroboration around you of any other sense of life. The story is about this sexy confluence of New York and jazz. Back in the day when I'd be first date awkwardly chatting down the quiet West Village cobblestones, I'd point to a handsomely lit jazz bar and say, you ever read Sonny's Blues? Am I saying Baldwin was my wingman? Well, I'm not not saying that. If you've never seen him, he had the small build, but these bright eyes that almost danced as he spoke, which he did in this frenetic pace of rhythm that captured America's attention. But truth is, Baldwin had to get out of America to really find his voice. Baldwin, in the 40s, with 40 bucks in his pocket, dipped to Paris for a few years. It was powerful to hear a man of color, a black man like Baldwin, needing to get out of these white American confines. Paris is very important to me because I was able to, um, I wanted to find out where being black ended and where I began or vice versa. I mean, that some things had happened to me because I was Jimmy and some things had happened to me because I was black. I didn't want to spend the rest of my life going around saying, you treat me that way because I'm black. You know what? If James didn't leave America, we may never have gotten two towering figures in American culture and politics. The men I like to call the Berries. In 1953, Baldwin came back from Europe and finished his novel, Giovanni's Room a love story between two men in Paris. 60-plus years later, we get Moonlight from writer-director Barry Jenkins. Jenkins said that coming from the projects in Miami, Giovanni's room was his first experience with queer literature. He'd go on to say about Baldwin, quote, very elevated intellectual and black as fuck at the same damn time. I was like, this is dope. I want to take a little bit of this, end quote. 
That black intellectual approach has inspired others, like the other Barry, President Barack Obama. President Obama often alludes to Baldwin as a principal figure in understanding his life as a black man in America. The former president has spoken about reading Baldwin's books while growing up in Hawaii, and he's repeatedly included Baldwin's book, The Fire Next Time, on his famous recommended reading lists. And when the NFL tried to blacklist Colin Kaepernick, he Baldwin back. It was James Baldwin who said, to be black in America and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time. My question is, why aren't all people? And it's all of this that has shaped my life. All that he wrote, that he did, that he said as a prolific intellectual queer Black man that has had a very visible effect on me, on the Berries and Kaepernick, and even maybe you. So that's why I'm petitioning that we make December 1, National Baldwin to Barry to probably a bunch of other people day. The name still needs work, but it's worth celebrating. The future of the Negro in this country is precisely as bright or as dark as the future of the country. It is entirely up to the American people whether or not they're going to face and deal with and embrace this stranger whom they maligned so long. If I'm not the nigger here, and you invented him, you the white people invented him, then you gotta find out why. So there you have it. Four brand new holidays for you to celebrate on December 1st. We had a lot of fun coming up with these, but after churning out a few of them, we realized very quickly that you could make a holiday for just about anything. So what makes something worth commemorating on its own special day? Remember Tom Roy, the guy who came up with a list of holidays just for the fun of it? Well, he sort of has this rule of thumb. What happens is once you start finding things that people talk about, you go, oh my God, that's a holiday. That's it. It's just the stuff that matters to people. Enough to keep talking about, enough to give it its own spot in the calendar. Whether it's a movie obsession, something wild that happened on TV, your relationship with your car, or your favorite author. Holidays like these help us reflect on things from the past that shape our lives now and what makes those things special. Listen, someone somewhere had to have decided what major holidays are worth celebrating, what moments in history warrant a whole day off for us all to reflect. All I'm saying is, why can't anyone make a similar declaration about any day? What matters? is what matters to you. Not Past It is a Spotify original produced by Gimlet and ZSP Media. This episode was produced by Amy Padula. Next week, we revisit the 1996 Christmas tree lighting 
and the birth of a Christmas meme. We're my background singers. Woo! Our producer is Sarah Craig. Our associate producers are Julie Carley and Ramoy Phillip. Laura Newcomb is our production assistant. The supervising producer is Erica Morrison. Editing by Maura Waltz, Andrea B. Scott, and Zach Stewart-Pontier. Fact-checking by Jane Ackerman. Sound design and mixing by Hansdale Shee. Original music by Sax Kicks Ab, Willie Green, Jay Bless, and Bobby Lord. Our theme song is Toko Liana by Coco Co. With music supervision by Liz Fulton. Technical direction by Zach Schmidt. Show art by Elise Harvin and Talia Rockman. The executive producer at ZSP Media is Zach Stewart-Pontier. The executive producer from Gimlet is Abby Ruzica. Special thanks to Lydia Polgreen, Dan Behar and Clara Sankey, Emily Wiedemann, Liz Stiles, and Nabil Cholampat. Follow Not Past It Now to listen for free, exclusively on Spotify. Click the little bell next to the follow button to get notifications for new episodes. You can follow me on Twitter, at Simone Polanin. Thanks for hanging. We'll see you next week. I did radio for 22 years. 77, I, I, 77, I want to grow up and have a tree farm with border collies. <laughs>